welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about human psychology and mental health, social change, cultural trends, and art. So this is the fifth episode of Bed Letter. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on previous episodes, such as where we've talked about fake news and selfies and general education, and uh, last week we talked about the suicide statistics and stuff that have come out. Um, If you enjoyed what you've heard on those episodes or what you hear on this episode, be sure to follow, subscribe on whatever platform you prefer to use. Bed Letters on Spotify and iTunes and YouTube, Stitcher, a couple other smaller platforms as well. And uh, But yeah, subscribing is the easiest and fastest way for you to get updates on when new episodes are coming out. So if that's if, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, make sure you do that. I really appreciate that. Um, another way you can kind of stay up to date with stuff that I've got coming out is, and with Bed Letter especially, is to follow on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. It's just at C. Ashleman for all three of those. Just at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N. I definitely use Instagram the most out of those three and Facebook the least, but basically all the stuff I do on Instagram is kind of pushed over to the other two, um, Twitter and Facebook, and so either way, you're, you'll you'll be getting updates and stuff like that. Um, and those social platforms are also a fantastic way to get, uh, like generate discussion, get involved in stuff like that through those through the comment sections of those different things. You can also do that on YouTube if, if you dare, but, uh, but yeah. So... Let's just jump into it. This today's episode is going to be all about uh, the pressures of stress and the different, just different things about stress. Um, it's going to be a little bit different than um, some of the other episodes where we've kind of had just like one solid research article that we're kind of picking through. This one is kind of um, it's a collection of different different articles, different research, and it's kind of a, a collection that. Well, I found this article on the British Psychological Society website. They have this section called the Research Digest where they kind of – they like pick apart different research and kind of compile it all together and pull it apart and analyze it a little bit more. And so I found this I found this article on there and it, it talks about the pressures of stress, coping with stress, and just different, different aspects of stress. And I, I found it – at first I was kind of not sure if I wanted to, to – you know, touch on this article much just because it was kind of jumping all over the place a little bit. But I really, I really ended up loving this article and loving what it had to say. And so it was written by this this woman named Emma Young, who is a science and health journalist. She's been she has twenty years experience. It's always good to check into the background and and stuff of the people who are writing these articles because you never know they might just be um, like we found out last week on that with that one article that I had read that was totally not like it was it was based in in talking about statistics that were just warped and not true it's always important to see what the, what the background and what the past experience is of these writers and journalists and so she has 20 years experience publishing these health articles and uh, books and reporting and has a degree in psychology and all that stuff so she's pretty reputable pretty pretty knowledgeable about this kind of stuff and uh, this, so this article she wrote was published on September seventeenth, two thousand nineteen. So just a, just about a week ago. And like I said, this article isn't just one study; it's kind of this big collection 
of, of studies and of information on stress and different avenues of stress, different, even like solutions and coping mechanisms and different stuff like that. So, um, and, and especially beliefs of stress and strategies and, and just like base information. So she starts off by talking about this thing called the stress mindset. And the stress mindset, I, I love the beginning. Like this is my favorite part of the entire article is the whole first half where she talks about this thing, stress, the stress mindset. And I wanted to define that for you guys really fast because I think that it's, it's very, it's fascinating. It's very important. And it's very, it's like something that I hadn't really, hadn't really thought of. I mean, back in my, when I was going to school, I, I, we talked about this a bit, but it's very interesting when you kind of internalize it for yourself. And basically what it is, is this idea that, um, stress has a lot to do with, with your perception of it, right? Like, a stress, your stress mindset can be one of two things. It can either be a positive stress mindset or it can be a negative stress mindset. And so a positive stress mindset is when you see stress as a, let's say like a challenge or, or a way to like hone your focus or sharpen your mind or a way to motivate you to do something important or a way to like looking at stress as a as a pathway to achievement, right? So it's it's kind of viewing stress in this light of positivity, viewing viewing stress as something that can help push you forward from behind rather than pulling you back. And inversely, a negative stress mindset is when you view stress any and this could be any type of stress. This is just stress period, any type of stress. This is when you view stress as unpleasant, debilitating, like a giant hurdle, a giant obstacle that you have to push through or or as terrifying or scary or, you know, something like that where you are putting stress in this very negative light, very debilitating light of of seeing it as as an emotion and a thing that you always want to try to avoid. And so that's kind of the difference between that's kind of like what stress your stress mindset is it's your perception of stress if you stepped out of your body and you're looking at this this uh construct of stress it's it's how you're seeing that stress the lens that you're seeing it through and so she puts forward in in the article by emma young she puts forward this this evidence that actually suggests that the negative stress mindset can be harmful and the evidence for that is in this 2017 study that was led by researcher Ann Casper, she looked at people who were faced with a big workload in one day, right? Just one day, big workload, lots to do on one day, kind of a crunch day. And all the people in this study, in this research, had this this workload on one day. All, it was a similar workload. It was very, it was just a lot to do in one day. And so they looked and they and they kind of, they had people like, write like a journal entries of how they're how they felt the different emotions they were feeling their perceptions of those emotions and stuff like that several times throughout the day during this big workload and so what they found is that the people with a positive stress mindset were oftentimes coming up with different coping mechanisms and different ways to tackle that stress um, and as well as the workload and what they found is that those that had this positive stress mindset were ending the day with a lot more energy. They were they were more energized than uh, than the you know the inverse side, where the people who had a negative stress mindset were kind of the opposite thing happened. They kind of were running from the stress. They didn't develop any sort of 
coping mechanisms or addressing of the stress. It was kind of, and and what they found is that oftentimes those negative stress mindset individuals ended the day with no energy. They were tired, deadbeat, and way less energized than the inverse. And I think this is very interesting because, like I said, it's the same workload. Both people, person A and person B, positive stress mindset person and negative stress mindset person had the same workload, right? They had the same amount of stuff they needed to get done. But what changed everything was their perception of this stress. There wasn't a, a the, you know, there wasn't like, oh, one person just experienced less stress or no stress. It was stress was there regardless of the person. It was present in every situation. Doesn't matter how you perceived it, it was there. But what changed everything was the person's view of that, of that emotion in their life. And so what this kind of implies is that we have, as human beings, we have far more control over our the outcomes in our life than we think. Like we aren't just these reactionary dust particles bumping into each other and d- bumping into things and nothing matters and like no we like out of the gate our beliefs about about the stressors in our life our beliefs about the things in our life have a giant effect on our mood on our ability to have energy on our ability to get things done on our ability to cope with different things and move forward with different things out of the gate off the off the starting line our beliefs and views of this of of stress affect how we finish affect how we navigate during the race and after and uh you know when you're more energized and when you end the day more energized you can it kind of can have a rippling effect right if you end the day more energized then you're innately probably going to be more happy you're going to be happier you're going to be having um typically you'll be having more positive interactions with others because you have more energy to do so. You're not going to be sick of everybody. And I mean, if that, like I said, that compounds, right? That compounds to other people. You're going to be, if, if you're an adult and you have kids and you're a parent, like you come home from work, you have more energy, your ability, you're happier, you're dealing with your kids in a different way than you would have if you were less energized, you are having an impact on them. And then that can compound and across, you know, lots of different people. And so, and this isn't just for, uh, this idea isn't just for adults either, right? It's for adolescents too, which totally makes sense to me because if you are teaching, you know, if we're teaching like in your most formative years, teaching this type of, you know, construct of self of or not self, but of stress, like a stress mindset, like teaching kids how to have a stress, like different stress mindsets and different coping tactics and stuff seems crucial especially in formative years when you're you know early teenager stuff like that where it's kind of like you're teaching them yes you're going to experience this emotion you're going to experience stress but here's how here's not like not even necessarily here's how to cope with it but here's how you could view that stress here's how we're going to view that that emotion and that um that stress and so and this was kind of shown you know the the impact this can have on adolescence this was shown in a study that was done by um, Aaliyah Crum at Stanford University, who I guess she's a huge advocate of positive stress mindsets. So they, what they found is that youth who believed in the benefits of stress were 
far less prone to experiencing debilitating stress in the wake of a bad or traumatic event, right? And I think the key word here is youth who believed in the benefits of stress. It wasn't like the youth who experienced, you know, stress or coped with stress. It's the youth who believed that there were benefits to stress. They just had the simple belief that, yes, this stress can have some sort of um, benefit to me, whether it be in achievement or in pushing me forward, motivating me, whatever it is. They, they had some level of belief in the benefits of that stress. They were way less prone to experiencing like awful, you know, debilitating stuff like that stress in the wake of bad or traumatic events in their life. And again, this is for this is for adolescents that they did this study. And there's a quote in that research that I found very interesting, and it like it totally made sense. I had to read it a time or two and think about it a little bit, but it's it definitely makes sense, and I really like this. So it's from Aaliyah Crum. She says, "These findings suggest that changing the way adolescents think about stress may help protect them from acting impulsively when confronted with adversity." So. I really like this because I think that it, it touches on something very important. And I think it's it's touching on that, that idea I talked about a second ago where the way that we teach the perception of stress, right? So if we are teaching kids and and young adults and different people that stress is an innately bad emotion, it's an innately negative emotion that is undesirable, that is not the correct response to things, if we teach that ideology then we are, you know, as evidence has shown, we are predisposing them to being extremely self-critical, extremely unhappy, extremely uncomfortable, and, you know, feeling like there's something wrong with them. Because like I said earlier, the, the facts of life are that stress is going to happen. You are going to experience stress, whether you believe you will or not. Even when you're hungry, you're experiencing stress on your body saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I need to be fed. How do I how do I solve this problem, right? That's that's one type of stress. You're going to experience lots of stress in your life. There's no debate about that. But when you predispose people to saying this emotion is negative and bad and you should not have it or you should get rid of it or you should do everything you can to run from it, you are preparing people to be completely unprepared to face the challenging events in their life, Right? Because if you are experiencing stress and you feel like wrong, or you feel that something is wrong with you, then you, most oftentimes you're going to turn to escapes. You're going to turn to impulsivity. You're going to act out. You're going to do, and this can look like all kinds of things. For kids, it can look like, I mean, for kids and adults, but specifically this study was obviously look, looking at and talking about adolescents. Um, but you're going to be, for them, you know, you're going to be turning to escapes. If you're, if you're feeling like this stress is a bad thing, you're going to be turning to drugs and and you know antisocial behavior and acting out in classes and uh, and different types of things like that and so j- just like teaching the type like the way to perceive this thing that's going to happen to you the way that you look at that thing has hu- uh, that thing as in that stress the way that you look at that is vastly important to how you are able to cope and deal with these these uh, reoccurring things in your life so after this, the article jumps around to a few different places, but I really liked the end of the the mindset section, the stress mindset section of the of the article, because what it goes into is this study that was done by 
researcher Sonia Kang at university at the University of Toronto. And what they found there is that they what they did is they put MBA students in a high pressure negotiating situations. So they had these these MBA students, these kids who were going to business school, and they would take some of them and they put them in low power positions in low power negotiating situation positions. And then they would take some of them and put them in high power positions. And this power is dictating like the outcome of the negotiating situation, right? So some of these kids had low power over the outcome of this negotiation. And some of them had high power over the um, outcome of this negotiation. And um, they were high pressure negotiating situations, right? Because it's they were trying to look at stress and the pressure of that. And what they found is that people tended to fit their performance to the expectations of their performance, right? So what that means is if the, the people who were in low power and knew that they were in low power positions oftentimes knew that they had lower expectations of them. And so oftentimes what they would do, these students would do is they would fit their performance to what that expectation was. So low expectations equaled low performance and vice versa. The people who were in high power positions for the negotiating situation, they would perform at much higher levels because they would fit that ex- expectation, high power, high expectation type thing. And so what they found most importantly, though, is that when you take somebody who is in a low power position and has a low expectation and, and as such is performing at a lower level and you so you take those individuals and you have them you sit them down and you have them think about and write about the different like their perceived um favorite or most important negotiating skill that they have right so these the low power people are sitting down and they're thinking about what what trait and what skill am i good at in a, in a negotiation what is my most important skill or trait and they kind of um, like look at their own personality and they kind of think about their, their own skills and what they're really good at and stuff. So when they when they sat down those students and did that, the differential disappeared, right? So all of a sudden, the low expectation people were still performing at a higher level. So the, the differential between the high performance people and the lower performance people kind of dissipated. And it's it's evidence that points to the fact that self-actualization can help boost your perceptions of stress and performance, which I think is very interesting because it's kind of like understanding your own personality traits and your own skills kind of made it so they felt like they had some sort of like skin in the game, right? Whereas before the low the low performing, low expectation individuals were seen as, well, I'm just going to do the bare minimum because this is what that's what the job description is. Um, when they sat and looked at their own their own skills, it kind of made them realize as they went into the next situation, well, I have skin in the game here. I'm actually good at this, that, and the other, and I actually want to improve on my skills in that regard. Because we see this all the time where um, you know, people say, oh, I'm not going to do that because it's not my job. It's not in my job description, so why should I go above and beyond? Why should I, why should I clean, this, that, clean this up or do that or whatever it is because it's not in, in the job description? Because I mean, a lot of times people think, "Hey, if I'm good at, if I'm good at this thing, if I'm good at X, then and I'm proud that I'm good at X, 
Like I'm, I'm, I'm really good at this part of negotiating and I'm, I'm proud of myself that I'm good at this thing. Even if it's above and beyond the job description of, of being a salesman or being a negotiator or whatever it is in any job, you still might do it because you understand that this is something that you are good at. This is something that you want to be good at. And if you don't practice that and hone that skill and continue to try to be good at it, then you're you're going to lose that skill. And nobody wants to lose something that they are good at and have pride in. And uh, I mean, in my own life, I kind of, I think we've, most of us have experienced this to some degree. I mean, back when I, just for example, back when I worked at um, a treatment center for youth, there was a lot of times when there would be like trash left around in different places or, you know, just, you know, stuff that gets left out or this, that, and the other. And a lot of times I like to pride myself on my, um, ability to try to at least stay, you know, organized when it comes to cleanliness, organized. And, and, and so I would kind of go and, you know, pick up after people, which, and this stuff isn't necessarily in the job description of what we are supposed to be doing, we're just supposed to be mainly, we were supposed to be mainly just monitoring and helping out with these these youth, but going above and beyond and kind of organizing the different things in the different areas of the house and and doing these different things kind of gave me a sense of um, kind of gave me a sense of like pride in my work. Kind of gave me a sense of of like I like I had skin in the game. I was I was doing something that I appreciated and and kind of enacting that on my job, even though it wasn't fully in the job description. And I think that doing that, those kinds of things kind of creates a conducive uh, environment for yourself, but also for everyone else, right? And so, and I think that most importantly, most, most, most importantly is that when you do this, it implies that you are all of this stuff with, with uh, understanding your own you know, personality traits and getting skin in the game kind of implies that you're taking on and giving yourself more responsibility, right? In your, in your career, in your job. And I think that when you have more responsibility, you end up finding more meaning in your life. I think responsibility equals meaning. And I think when you have meaning in your life, you see less, you see stress as less of a mountain or an obstacle and more of a challenge, more of a path to, you know, achievement and betterment and I think or and growth. And I think that's shown with, with a lot of these these different researches is that um it kind of helps to reframe the way you look at stress when you when you take on responsibility. And it helps to, you know, close that gap and and, and change your stress mindset. And so anyway, um I wanna jump back to the Emma Young article. Um, kind of just at the end of it there here it kind of just talks about a few different things so at the end she kind of she starts talking about uh, choking versus uh, like clutch like coming in clutch so it's the idea of like performing really well and like entering that flow state versus the idea of um, choking and failing in when you're at a, a peak level of stress and she brings up this this research from 2019 that was done by researcher Vikram Chib, and uh, what he found is that persons, a person's view of what is at stake in a high-pressure situation can actually reduce the likelihood of choking. And so what they did to figure that all out is that they had this study where they had people playing a computer game, 
and what on the depending on the outcome of them playing this computer game they were able to win money and so people would play the game they were said if they win they can win some money if they win the game they win the money so they did that and then after that they came back and said okay now play the game again but this time you're instruct you they were instructed to imagine that you already have the prize money the price the hundred dollar prize money or whatever it is is already yours and imagine now that you're playing to keep it so rather than playing to gain the money they were playing to keep the money and what they found is that this method of reframing this method of changing the way that they're viewing the outcome or the you know the the reward of this situation greatly greatly prevented choking most of them ended up actually coming in clutch right and another like tacked on to the very end of this is what they they also found that this like view reframing helped prevent high stress levels when they did fail and when they did end up choking so it kind of was like a twofer. It helped not only prevent them from choking, but if they did choke, it helped prevent the high level of stress. And so I think that's I think it's very interesting these findings because what they found is that like playing for keeps is more potent than playing for potentials, right? So if you were defending, if you were had a certain standard of living, if you had something and you were used to living that way, if you had a certain standard of living, then you would play harder to maintain that standard of living than you might to increase that standard of living because you know what it's like to live at this certain level and you want to maintain that level. Whereas if you were playing for the sole purpose of increasing that standard of living, you know, well, okay, how I'm living now, I can, li- I can survive, I can do it. So you might not play as hard because you understand, well, the outcome is if I fail, then I can just continue, I just go home and continue living the way I live. Whereas if you're playing to keep the standard of living and you could lose that way of living, you're going to say, if, if I lose, I lose it all. And I don't know if I can survive after losing whatever the standard of living is. And so instead of, and so it's kind of like playing for keeps is more of a motivator than playing to greatly increase your standard of living or greatly increase whatever it is kind of like uh playing for the necessity of maintaining the status quo and and i think it's important to remember that for this specific piece this is all make-believe in your head right like you're not actually on the line um at least for most circumstances you're not actually on the line saying you know this this is i have to play for this exact standard of living and this is just like they just reframed it in your head this is make-believe in your head you're saying you're just they just had these people flip their view of the potential reward of the hundred dollars or whatever from the game. You know whether or not that person got the hundred dollars, how they got it didn't really change. You have to win the game, you get the money. But the way that they had, they just had them change the way they thought about it. They had them change the way they perceived that, saying instead of instead of you playing to win, imagine that you're playing to keep this money and it's it's the important word there is imagine it right imagine it because it's not i mean in reality in the real world nothing is really changing in the way that they're giving this money out and so um anyway i I just think that's very interesting that you can kind of like play a trick on your mind like that and it actually has big effects on how you perform and how you perceive and deal with stress and so you know the reality of it is that stress is going to happen. Stress is something that's going to be a part of your life. Stress is going to be there. It's going to be very present. It's going to be there every day. 
to some degree or another, right? Even if you're not doing something you could experience and you're relaxing all day. I mean, I know, you know, sometimes when you're relaxing all day and doing nothing, you feel stressed because you feel like you should be doing something or, you know, the stress is all over the place. And so being able to confront it, cope with it, handle it, and look at it in a way that is positive and not saying positive as in like, oh, it's, you know, this... I'm looking forward to stress and all this stuff. You don't have to look forward to it. It's just the way that you you view it, right? It's just the way you see it as a challenge to overcome, a way to achieve more and to better yourself versus being something that you see as totally crippling, totally debilitating and terrifying. And so just your view of that, just that your view of this emotion that you're going to experience has a big impact on the way that you end your day, start your day, go through your day and, and how you, you know, your, your performance throughout that time. Because it doesn't have to, stress doesn't have to be this giant demon monster, right? It doesn't have to be this big thing that looms over you like a giant shadow. Because really at the end of the day, the, all of it is, is your perception of it, your view of it, the way that you potentially see the different outcomes and the intensity with which you see those. It's all through your own perception. It's all through your own lens. And so if you're really not enjoying the, you know, the feelings you're getting out of it, then maybe the lens just needs to be cleaned a little bit. Maybe the lens just needs to be changed a little bit. And your because you can, and you can change, you have the power to change your perception of things. That is all you. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the giant, you know, the giant demon terrifying monster that that it's made out to be sometimes. Your mindset on this subject makes all the difference. All the difference. But I think that's I think that's where I'm going to wrap up this episode. So, if you enjoyed listening, be sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform that you enjoy using. Like I said, it's on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and other platforms as well, other smaller platforms. I really appreciate uh, you guys for listening. I really appreciate the subscriptions, the follows, and stuff like that. Um, if you found this interesting, make sure that, uh, or any of the past episodes, I really appreciate um, you sharing it with family, friends, people who love podcasts, people that are interested in psychology and and stuff like that that we've talked about. It means a lot to me. Uh, it really does. I really do appreciate it. You can also follow me on social media to stay up to date with the show. Like I said, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's just at C. Ashleman. I definitely am on Instagram the most. I really, I have, I, I really like photography, so I like to post different, you know, my different photos and different stuff on there as well as kind of like uh, stuff about the podcast. So, and that's that's another good platform to kind of interact and and generate conversation for this stuff that we're talking about so thank you so much for tuning in guys i really appreciate it i love you guys and i really hope that you guys have an awesome week i will see you next time on bed letter